Hello and welcome to the Reach Out for Mental Health podcast. Joining me today uh, is the boss. He's, uh, he's numero uno, the big cheese. Yeah. Uh, Kirsty, hello. Good morning. You all right? Yeah, not bad. It's Friday. It is Friday. It is Friday. And and it was this was a conversation that I said right from the off when we were talking about getting different guests on. And it's nice to have people on that, you know, have have profile that can spread the love and the message of what you're trying to do with the business. And and I think one of the 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 the, the first things that I always said was, look, you need to come on and you need to tell your story mm. and how how reach out come about. Um, and then you know we could look at what what it's then done and like and what you're looking to 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 do with it, but I think I want to start right at the beginning and just just kind of ask you that the first thing you think about when I say the word mental health. Uh, struggle. 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 Um, I must admit I don't think I really like the phrase mental health because I okay. think I think that people can be going through a shit time in their life mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't need to be kind of classified as mental health. It can just be you're going through a shit time in your life and you're not coping and that's yeah. absolutely okay. But do you think it needs to be framed as something? Mm. Because I think whether it's w- you know words like well-being get used quite a lot and, and, and obviously before I started sort of working with you here, you know, I'd, I'd sort of touched upon different sorts of things on, on previous podcasts where where you talk about how people were feeling and it would always be the word it would always be framed with either mental health mm. or well-being mm. um and i think do you think that you know we need to put a, a, a tag on it for want of a, a more crass a, a crass description put a, a, a tag on it just so it has to have some kind of tag to frame it so it can be the word can get out there do you know what i mean it's like a mental health charity or a, a, a well-being meeting or do you know what I mean it needs to be framed as something do you know what I mean yeah yeah no, uh, yeah I get what you're saying it's it's really difficult though because I think you know men- mental health does have a stigma and I think no matter how many conversations we have around it no matter how many campaigns there are around it there is always going to be an element of stigma and even so much, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent now. I was at the um, the Colchester Crisis Cafe mm-hmm. that's run by Mind last night, and I visited their amazing team there. And they were talking about how they've got a client who is in his late 20s, early 30s, and he doesn't want to go to groups that are set up for people with mental health problems because he doesn't want to be kind of defined as having a mental health problem. Mm-hmm. And he found that talking to other people that are attending these groups, he found it really difficult to gel with. Um, he found it difficult to find some kind of common ground. And he didn't want the only common ground that they had was to have a mental health diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and I think I think I can I can understand. So like you know myself living with mental health problems, I, I would never in, I wouldn't think about going to a group for people with mental health problems specifically, I would find that a bit of a challenge. But going to a group, I don't know for argument's sake, so I'm looking at living on a narrowboat, mm-hmm. so joining narrowboat groups and narrowboat enthusiasts, but then meeting other people that are living with anxiety and depression, you know, you've, you've kind of, you're meeting your tribe, but within a setting that's not specifically around having a mental health problem, I see what you're saying. It's difficult. It's really, really yeah. difficult. 
and I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of contradicting myself in a way which I do all the time I know it's massively infuriating but I can understand how people do find it difficult to to kind of have that label and to so again I've got a friend who, who lives with bipolar and I was talking to him about you know what kind of support do you feel is needed he lives in South End what kind of support do you feel is lacking in South End you know would you come to one of these groups XYZ and he was like no I, th I think I think there's too much around um, labels and around mental health and around you know groups to deal with you know giving you like a toolkit to manage with bipolar mm. and that kind of thing um, and it needs to be you know looking outside the box and looking at the person I suppose as a as a whole um, but that would be judging each person individually wouldn't it yeah. and I think to, to initially you have to cast the net I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. You have to cast the net Wide. a bit wider, don't you, in yeah. initially to sort of, you know, haul this, 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 this group of people together. And then I, I think then that's when, you know, you, you've then got them in, in a space where hopefully they will recognise that they're amongst similar people and they can relax and talk. And I, I think that that's why, you know, again, playing devil's advocate, that's why I think terms like you know mental health and well-being are, are i think they're needed i think they're needed because um we're seeing changes and we'll talk about that later in, in regards to i mean you're the expert i'm just i'm just i'm just the podcast yeah. guy asking you questions I'm but <laughs> but um but i do think that just from my own experience of seeing organizations and whether it be gigs whether it be you know documentaries like there's a lot more about mental health uh, or well-being than there's ever been mm. and i think that means that if it's framed that way and it's getting the message out there then i'm kind of on board with that mm. like because you know i'm somebody that's not necessarily you know struggled with with, with it uh, I'm, I'm i'm you know obviously very lucky um but i do know that you know, many people that do, and I think they definitely feel in 2022 like more comfortable talking about it. And I think that is through campaigns and the fact that words like mental health and well-being are very much in our vocabulary now, more so than than they were, say, when I was growing up in the 90s. But but let's let's talk about um, more sort of formative years. And I'm going to ask you, Curse, for the first time, that what was the first time when you considered your mental health I'm paranoid now that I'm saying mental health all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna say that um when did I first consider my mental health I think so I remember I was a little bit batty in my uh, in my teenage years I remember just feeling completely and utterly unstable um, uh, ex explain um <laughs> because we're all a bit cr crackers aren't we in, in them years like you know you're experiment with drink and going out and partners and that's yeah. that's 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 you know i guess finding your your tribe and your feet and all yeah. sorts but you felt that maybe yours was a little more wonky than yeah than others. i remember i just remember feeling my feelings so acutely like everything was in technicolor um and good and bad good and bad so i suppose i mean again i so many people say, oh, I think I'm a bit bipolar just because they feel, you know, these, these highs and lows. And I'm not saying that for a second, but I did feel 
I did feel those highs and lows. Again, I've only got my experience to compare it to, but really quite in, in an extreme way. Um, you know, when, when I felt up, when I felt high, it was absolute euphoria. And when I felt low, it was, I could just let, I could just fall off the world now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wouldn't care. Um, so, yeah, I always felt rather overwhelmed and I suppose not in control of my feelings from kind of when I was about 16, 17. And then um, when I had Nancy, when I had my daughter, my mental health took a massive, massive tumble. And that's that's when I realised that I needed to, needed to get some help because I just wasn't coping with being a mum, um, wasn't coping with this new role. I didn't think that it fit me at all what the weight of responsibility um no no not so much that it was so i remember when i was leaving work and i was saying that i'd come back i don't know in about six months time and so many of my colleagues were saying oh you know motherhood changes you you know y you're not going to want to come back you're not going to want to leave that baby for a second and i remember even then thinking Maybe, you know, I'm open to it, but yeah. I, you know, I reckon I'm going to want to come back because I am naturally, I've got a huge amount of nervous energy. Again, I've kind of been channeling that in different ways, but that's ultimately where my anxiety kind of presents itself. Yeah. Um, I have to be doing something all the time. I have to be thinking about something all the time. I find it very difficult to be still and doing very little. And of course, when you've got a baby, yeah, that's basically all you do. Yeah. And I found the whole thing, to say boring sounds really insensitive and just unloving, mm -hmm. but I was unbelievably depressed. Yeah. I just didn't want to be at home. I didn't understand what the fuss was about. When I had people coming to see me and Nancy, I'd have people going, oh God, I bet you just, I bet the hours just disappear with you looking at her. And I'm thinking, no, no. I'd have her strapped to my chest. Um, she came early and me and my partner at the time were um, sorting out the flat, trying to get it ready and decorating and laying carpet and whatnot. And Nancy came early. So I had a strap to my chest and a sling and I was still doing all of that. Still doing the garden. Um, within, th I think Nancy was three weeks old and I was already inquiring to Maytree about volunteering so I could learn more about yeah. supporting people that are suicidal because I knew that I'd be starting Reach Out. Um, and it w and it just spiraled, 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 spiraled. I'd be, I'd just, I'd spend days in in floods of tears. Uh, me and my partner at the time would be looking up things like postnatal depression, but the the symptoms and everything would just cross over and blur into, you know, being a new mum, yeah. being exhausted, not remembering things, having no appetite, having no sex drive, um, you know, all. Th it's like, well, yeah, that's just that's because I'm a new mum and I'm not getting any. Yeah, and that's. That's, I guess, a perfectly fine mistake to make that you thought it was that, mm. you know, because that's what everybody's going to tell you, isn't it? Mm. And that's going to be, well, yeah, it's because you're a new mum. It's all them things that you just yeah, mentioned. you're just feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. Just because you're sleep deprived. But I think there's there's something to be said for that, you know, the amount of people that, that say, oh, well, you know, when, when that baby comes along, oh, my God, like, you know, it's going to change it. And I think that's that's a dangerous thing to say to people. It because, really is. Um, I, you know, when when we had our first child, like I was always 
the one like with like mates, kids, and that. I was always like, right, come on, wrestle, let's go. And yeah, like, yeah. and I was always like, loved like you know hanging out with like all my like you know families, kids, and things like that. And the enormity of responsibility and weight and uh, of of having a child was like, oh my god. Uh, and I was just petrified, and like, and 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 I had that whole thing of like, when's it going to kick in that? I'm overwhelmed with like, you know, with this whole, and I don't think that that's an isolated thing. I think a mm. lots of people are like, don't get me wrong, I change not my, my children are like my my ultimate achievement. You know, they're my proudest you know thing that I've got, and but I don't necessarily think these things are magical. No. Uh, I I think there's a you know there's there's a a stark reality to it as well, and and I think sometimes I'm, I'm you know and 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 my wife was always the sort of person before we had like children that would be you know you, if you gave her a baby she'd be like oh is this a baby or a bomb like <laughs> you know just didn't know but then the minute like a child was born that changed and she become like a super mum. And and I was questioning myself, just thinking, hang on, I'm going to be super dad. Like, what's going on? Mm. And like, and it is strange. And I do think, you know, telling everybody that oh, when that baby comes along, like, of course it's amazing. Like, you know, it's a new life, and it's, you know, it's going to be something that's going to, you know, change, you know, your family's lives forever. And it, it is, it is great, of course. But I do think that that kind of unnecessary talk of like you know the this the expectation that you're supposed to feel yeah is it, it, you know and if it's not instantly there for whatever reason mm. you know a, a lot of the reason you said tiredness and like and all sorts of things then you shouldn't be sitting there questioning going like oh wh wh where's the magical bit yeah. where's wh you know wh wh hang on why, why am i still you know why am i you know tired doing the washing up thinking why would i rather be doing something else like yeah <laughs> and like but yeah, I I, I I do think that's a a, a very strange uh, thing to sort of bestow upon new parents mm. that you know these people. That I mean, I, I guess people are saying it with the the best of intentions. Do you know what I mean? Because we have these preset stupid things that we say oh. at funerals and at weddings and at yeah. you know all these of these things. Events, yeah. Like and 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 I guess you know that'll evolve and change over time, but. And so, well, well let's to pick up where we, we sort of uh, where I went off on a tangent. Uh, you, you said that you was looking up the sort of symptoms uh, of of postnatal depression uh, and and obviously all the things that you'd presume may be causing them feelings at that point, being a new mum. Did you seek help? Had you had any kind of um, help treatment for, for 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 your mental health previous to this no i'd never had any any treatment for mental health before that um i'd looked up a load of groups for postnatal depression and i'd gone to a load of like mummy groups but again i felt completely isolated because you've got all these yummy mummy types that were like cooing over their babies um you know, talking about the joy of being a new mum and laughing and joking about all of the, you know, the, the experience of being a new mum. And again, it was just, I just, I thought, can we talk about anything else? Can, can we talk about what life was 
before these came along. Mm. And I just, again, I felt massively excluded, which then made me feel like a piece of shit. I shouldn't be a mum. What have I done? Have I done the right thing? And it just, it does, it just spirals out of control. And so I was reading up loads of articles about postnatal depression. And again, the way that people kind of talked about their experience of postnatal depression, it was completely the opposite of what I was experiencing. So it was more around, you know, I don't want to go back to work. I've now got anxiety about the outside world. I'm concerned about anything and everything harming my baby. Um, you know, some people that have not necessarily psychosis, but these concerns that they're ba there's always something wrong with their yep. baby. And it was like, well, I'm not getting any of that. I'm not getting any of that. I'm just, I'm just not enjoying being a mum. Yeah. I think it's really underwhelming, um, irritating, laborious, repetitive, and I'd rather be doing absolutely anything else at all, which equals me being a shit mum and basically a shit person overall. Um, and then I spoke to a friend of my, of, of my partner at the time, um, told her how I was feeling. And although, again, she couldn't mirror what I was feeling, her experience of postnatal depression was different to mine, it was nice to be able to speak to somebody about it. Then I found an amazing article which saved my bacon. Um, I think it's called Mummy Woo. I'm not sure. Uh, if anybody's listening to this, uh, have a Google of Mummy Woo postnatal depression or something. And it was this woman who was writing really candidly exactly what I was feeling. You know, this this magic, this absolute connection that you're supposed to feel when you first have your baby just wasn't there. This desire to be around your baby constantly just wasn't there. Um, and this reading this article that somebody else was experiencing something the same as me was really, really encouraging. It was so nice to know that there are other people out there, in fact, maybe a small army of other women out there that have experienced something similar to that, which was just amazing. And then, yeah, me and my partner talked about it and agreed that I was gonna go to the doctors. And so he wrote me a prescription for antidepressants. And then I phoned inclusions, inclusion Thurrock, um for therapy and yeah the best thing I've ever done I'd thoroughly thoroughly recommend yeah don't don't try and be stoic just do it yeah. so I uh, from 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 sort of what you said there I'm I, I presume that the the meds and the therapy helped yeah uh, and so You'd mentioned that you'd already started to consider setting up Reach Out. Mm. Um, did that come as? Because am I right in saying you worked for the council previously? Uh, so I started out working for Thurrock Council Social Services, and then I left um, because I couldn't stand all the bureaucratic nonsense sure. that got in the way with getting anything done. So then I started working for a housing association called Family Mosaic, yep. which are now Peabody, um, and that is where I met Steve who sadly took his own life in 2015 um which is what sparked this yeah. whole this whole project and so being uh, a, a, a young mum and wife tell me about the, the the initial stages of how you managed to sort of set up reach out and what was 
What was your mission statement for, for it in your, your own head? So for Reach Out, I wanted to provide a, a space for people to go to when they were feeling suicidal that wasn't going to an A&E department or calling the Samaritans. And this was before we've got all of the amazing out-of-hours provision that we have now. Mm. So, um, yeah, anywhere you live, you, you'll have either a, a, a crisis cafe or a sanctuary. Um, so just, just look it up. If you're not sure, call 111, option 2, and they can tell you where your nearest out-of-hours services um but at the time there wasn't anything like that around and for, for you know in my experience as being a support worker and um knowing what steve had to go through to get the support that he needed i'm fairly confident that if we had an alternative a non-clinical alternative yeah. place for him to go to where he could just talk about what he was feeling and be held in that moment rather than feeling that he's got a convince somebody about just how bad he's feeling yeah i think he'd still be here today are you saying that the convincing somebody is, is that the more of the sort of process of being at a and e might yeah. entail that i mean I, I don't know if you go to a and e if you're feeling suicidal i mean if you are feeling suicidal i'm suggesting and if you're considering going to a and e obviously still go yeah. but you you're I, I guess i suppose you have to answer questions on arrival there regarding that whereas you're saying a, a support group of such could be far more less right, right have you ticked this box exactly. have you ticked this box yeah okay. yeah it is it's so for having um a non-clinical non-judgmental probably peer support led yeah. service there isn't that onus of having to convince somebody and having to um yeah, c convince somebody about just how shit you're feeling. So yeah. when you whenever you have to call the doctors, so I had to, I had to call the doctors last week because I had like a horrible throat infection. And I remember think I remember already thinking, ah, oh, I'm going to have a battle on my hands trying to convince this receptionist that I need a doctor's appointment. And I thought, well, I'm not going to put on the voice. I'm not going to be all, oh, I feel really bad. I need to see the doctor. I just told her what the situation was. And thank Christ she was able to get me an appointment. But already that, and that was just for a throat infection. See, I'm finding this really weird, right? Because... I I rarely go to the doctors. Shocking. Like <laughs> You're a bloke. <laughs> but no, no, when I need to go, I go. And obviously, as you know, I had an ear infection uh, the other day. We're very infected lately, aren't we? <laughs> we are. <coughs> um, but uh, I, I'd kind of just, I, I guess, done a very man thing and just go, oh, just it, it'll get, it'll heal itself. I'll leave it alone. And it didn't. And it, it started to hurt. So I thought, right, I'll ring the doctors. And I just said, oh, can I book an appointment, please? She went, no, yeah, what's wrong with you? I was like, huh? And I just thought, is this a GP? And it's not, this is a receptionist. And I was thinking, why is the receptionist asking what's wrong with me? Yeah. I just thought it was really weird. And is that a recent thing? No, 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 no. I think it's, um, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't really want to have to go into detail, but I think it's, so she'd already said that they can give you an appointment, which is good. Yeah. Because I think if you'd said, so I was thinking, I know what the battle is at the moment with trying to stop people having antibiotics. So I, I already had this, like, this narrative, this script in my head of what I was going to say to this receptionist, wow. anticipating the battle that I was going to have yeah. with her. Um, and it wasn't, it was perfectly fine. But yeah, she said, oh, you know, so c can I ask what it's about? And the whole spiel came out. And I was waiting for her to say, sorry, no. But and then I thought, no, you know, that's not up to them yeah. to triage somebody and decide whether or not they need an appointment. So, but no, that's, you know, 
you can, you know, you, you can be as honest and open as you want. You haven't got to say that you've got a bloody hemorrhoid or anything like yeah. that. If you don't uh, I've, got, I've got knob rot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify, I haven't. <laughs> got that all cleared up. Uh, you got cream for that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apparently you can't get it twice anyway. Um, so... Uh, just before we sort of move on to, to sort of current projects that are, that are happening with, with Reach Out in the future, I just want to ask you what your, if you feel that you're having a bad day, like what are your, what are your coping mechanisms? <laughs> Not great. What are, what are Kirsty's coping mechanisms yeah, or what, yeah. are, what are Kirsty as a CEO of no, <laughs> Reach I, I Out for Men and No, I, I don't want, no, I want, I want behind the curtain. <laughs> um, so yeah, as, as we've discussed um, off mic, um, yeah, going through a real hard time myself at the moment and yeah, my instinct is to go out, get pissed, go and see a band, leap around and scream and shout for a couple of hours and I know that that's not... Um, that's not the way to go. It's it's ultimately a short-term fix. And ultimately, it's going to make you feel worse in the future because we know that alcohol is a depressant and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, I went to see a gig last weekend, but I drove instead of drinking, which was good, and I still had an amazing time. Um, but aside from that, when I do pull my finger out and actually do some yoga, um, I find that a huge, enormous help. Yeah. A huge help. Um speaking to people so yeah at the moment i'm i'm really struggling myself so i've reached out to a few friends to to speak to them um just to try and get it out of your head you know do you think them them kind of and uh, uh, i don't want to quite be obvious to, to reach out to your friends now but do you think that's something that's easier to do just to go sort of full circle on what i was saying earlier do you think that's something that's easier to do now than maybe what it was in the, the sort of 90s and noughties and... Yeah. I say I 90s, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm making you sound a lot older than you are, aren't I? <laughs> sorry. I was at school. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think for men anyway. So I think yeah. women generally, we've always done that anyway. We've always been quite good at communicating and talking to each other about when we're struggling with stuff. But I think, you know, with the various campaigns about men being able to talk about it, yeah. um, even if you are going to laugh and joke and, you know, just kind of take the piss out of each other. Um, again, it's kind of bringing it to the fore. So um, I don't know if you're down the pub and and you ask your mate, "How you doing? All right? Yeah, I'm all right." And they say, "Oh, got to ask twice now." No, oh, you know, "How you doing? All right?" You know, it's ha- whatever it takes to get that conversation yeah. started. Just just make sure that you have that conversation. So I think, yeah, it has. We've come on. In l- I mean, even just the the oh Christ, seven years that you know when I set up Reach Out, um, you know the services now that we have are amazing. The amount of um, the campaigns, like you say, even with car companies, the conversations that they have now, the advertising, the the the, the kind of messaging that they're putting across now for blokes to get them talking yeah. is so much better than it's than it ever has been. But again, I just, when you look at organisations like Calm Mm -hmm. or Andy's Man Club, they are really particular and very conscious about the language that they use and the language that they don't use. And I think that that's because, you know, if you've got someone 
if you've got someone who, you know, they've lost their job or relationship breakdown or they've lost their home or whatever, you know, that doesn't have to be a mental health problem. That's life that has taken a dump on you from a great height and you are well within your rights to feel completely overwhelmed and to feel that you're not coping. It's absolutely fine. It would be strange if you weren't. And I think to be dressing that up as mental health, having a mental health problem, I think can be a bit of a barrier. Yeah. That's that's all. So you said seven years and which is remarkable and, and huge congrats. It's it's amazing what you've what, what you've set up and what you've run, Kirst. It, it really is. Um tell us a little bit about sort of where it's at currently and, and you know what I tell you what as an add on to that, just tell uh, tell me a little bit uh, of, of of some of the, the the people that you've met uh, through doing reach out. Uh, you know, have you got people that come for help that now work there? Um, yes, we have. Um, so we've got one of our ladies who was um, who who used our service. She now volunteers for us um, with one of our coffee afternoons. Um, Actually, this week we had a client who um, used our service just before Christmas. He has come forward saying that he'd also like to volunteer, which is phenomenal. But we do ask that um, that you kind of that, that you haven't used our service and preferably any services f- for at least six months. And that's just to make sure, sh- you know, if you're still using services yourself, yeah. you're probably not in the best frame of mind to be supporting others. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it can be massively triggering and it, it, can, um, it can put an obstacle in the way of your own recovery. Yeah. As, as well as, you know, massively advancing it if, yeah. if, you've got, if you're taking on everyone else's stress. Um, yeah, you don't, wanna, you don't want that to kind of impinge on your own well-being. So we ask that you're kind of you know, functioning sure. perfectly well without the need of any other services for about six months before you come forward. Um, but, I mean, in terms of, you know, the it is really, really difficult hearing people's stories, some of the things that people come to you with, some of the things that people have had to endure and live through and it seems to be quite a common th- it's not just a one off occurrence yeah there seems to be a cohort of people that have had a really shit start in life yeah. and then it just keeps coming and coming and coming like they've just been dealt the worst hand ever yeah. and you think how how the fuck are you still functioning how are yeah, you yeah. still here um absolutely f- phenomenal people and then you know we get to evaluate our clients after they've used our service um which we're a bit behind on. And if we've got any volunteers out there that want to help with that, please come forward. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is always uh, an amazing, amazing feeling when you hear some of the feedback that we get, even if it is just, I put in air quotes, that you know it was so nice to have someone just to talk to, somebody who was happy to listen and not yeah. to interrupt. Just, just that in isolation. Um, but you know, one of our guys um, at one of our coffee afternoons he actively looks forward to getting through the weekend so we can come along to the coffee afternoon and he, he calls us his family. And when he first came along, he was so nervous. Yeah. He was so, so nervous. And 
and now he's he's talking about becoming like a, p- a peer support worker. Yeah, it's it's given him a huge sense of purpose and without sounding corny like nourishment when he's yeah. there within a group when he's feeling when he's hearing other people that have had a shit weekend yeah. or a shit week and being able to support them with it it does it it does it makes you feel good and as somebody that's uh i've been to to many of the coffee uh meetings and i, I think if you're listening to this uh because you know you've seen the link on on wherever you've you've seen the link social media i imagine uh and you know, you 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 ever have them sort of thoughts of like, oh, I don't know if I want to sort of sit in a room with a load of people, and I I can't tell you enough that I went there, uh, and the first time I went there, it was it was quite informal. Um, there was no there was no sort of tick boxing of anything. I went in there. The first thing was said was like, "Do you want a biscuit? How do you take your tea?" <laughs> and then. I presumed that the conversation was going to be a really heavy, weighty conversation. People were just talking about holidays they'd had when they were younger, and it d- the, the conversations went about anything. But what I saw was a lot of people that may not have spoke to anyone for a couple of days were there, and they were talking to people, and they were leaving in a much better space than perhaps what they arrived with. Uh, and I think just giving up you know just being around other people just chatting not being judged having a cup of tea uh and spending just a couple of hours is so important in these people's lives and and it was it was it was it was and i I don't want to kind of go back on what i said about you know motherhood but it was magical just to see you know what what this little room does Mm. and it was just the room with people that were just chatting some people didn't say as much as others Mm. but and there was no pressure those people that so you know if you're sitting there thinking oh maybe i'll go to one of them like do it don't think you're going to be sort of sat down and people are going to go so tell us all about like you know your mental health tell us about your childhood yeah exactly (laughs) it's it's nothing like that it's it's relaxed it's i guess there's no pressure to say anything if no. you don't want to. Just sit and have a cup of tea and uh, and, and and have a listen. And uh, and and again, it's not like you leave after two hours. If you you want to go and have a cig or you want to go home, mm. yeah. Th- there's no rules. It's no. just a hangout. And totally. I think that uh, I hope I'm s- sort of selling this the right way, Curse, because I'm just going from yeah. like what I saw of it, and it and it blew my mind. And I, I, I after I come out the first one, I phoned you and sort of said like, yeah. it's incredible. Uh, and yeah, and I know you're going to 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 do it this afternoon. Um, and yeah, I just think if anybody's ever thinking that like they need to talk to someone because you can talk to people about how you're feeling when you're there, of course. Mm. But if you just need a bit of company and you just need to be around people and yeah, just feel like somebody's listening or mm. somebody's there for you, then mm. I can't recommend going to. Uh, these hangouts and they are just lovely little friendly places um and yeah and so the one in grays is every friday 12 till 2 2, and that's at waves isn't it which is in the the college building and the other one is in westcliff yeah oh is it westcliff i think it's classed as westcliff yeah so it's at the south essex community hub so setch 
um, it's in the chapel on North Road. And we, we've, we've had a few people saying that they've, they want to come along or they've even tried to come along and they've not been able to find it. If you go to North Road in Westcliff, there's a graveyard. Yeah. It's in there. It's yeah. not as creepy as it sounds. It's really, really <laughs> lovely. I'm feeling really bad. That's fine. Come and hang out in a graveyard with us. <laughs> we'll lift really the spirits. Nice. You'll, be, you'll be greeted by um, magpies and squirrels. And as you go down, you've got the big chapel yeah. there. And we're, we're in there. Yeah. We're the only people that are in there on a Friday. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a little car park there. So you can, you can park yourself in there. And when um, when's that one? That one is Mondays, one two three. That's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So, all right, just to start to kind of wrap things up, Kirst, moving forwards, what, where, you know, what's the vision? Take over the world. Sinister. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got a certain Russian trying to do that at the moment. We can't <laughs> have two. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um. So ideally, we want to set up as many different projects and services around Essex. Yeah. That's, that's the idea. So um, so we've got our befriending service that supports anybody in Essex, including Thurrock and Southend. Um, uh, that can be over the phone support. It can be face-to-face. It can be a walk and talk. Um, we've got the coffee afternoons in Thurrock and Southend. And we're opening up a peer-led, out-of-hours support service in Harwich watch this space but we are looking for volunteers um and uh, you know it does what it says on the tin it's peer support so it's going to be led by people who have gone through their own experience of emotional distress whatever that means to you any kind of life event where you've been put on your ass and you've come through the other side if you're in harwich give us a call <laughs> um because yeah it's it's desperately needed um we really need some support in harwich so and how much time y- y- you know if you want someone to volunteer what's the sort of you know, how much do you expect from them? So the support in Harwich, we're looking at doing it once a week from seven till nine. So it will be two hours a week. Um, naturally, y- you don't have to do every week. It could be, you could just do once a month. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but just, uh, you know, the sessions are for, for two hours and it's, yeah, we're looking at doing seven till nine. We haven't agreed on a day of the week yet um, and it will be held out of the Harwich and Dover Court hub. Okay. And so once we, we settle on dates and that, then obviously we'll be able to add that on our, our social media feeds. So if people are listening uh, and they've been affected by what you know your story and are feeling inclined to, for want of a better description, reach out, mm-hmm. uh, how do they do that? So we support people who are feeling or living with suicidal thoughts. If you're actively suicidal... We're not the best support for you. If you're actively suicidal, either call 111 and option two. That's like your mental health crisis line. It's nationwide and they'll put you through um, to whatever kind of region you're in. Or call 999 or get yourself to the nearest A&E. Other than that, if you're based in Essex, give us a call. So we're open Monday to Friday, 9 till 7. And you can call us on 07308 zero six nine six zero nine and you'll speak to the wonderful claire and yeah she can have a chat see what's going on we don't do assessments we don't want to know your life story necessarily we're not going to ask you questions you tell us as much or as little as you want and then we will endeavor to support you in any way that we can wonderful thanks kirst thank you